You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. Hey everyone, it's Call Me Adam. Welcome to season two of my podcast, Burying It All with Call Me Adam. Before we get to my guest, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to my show. I'd also like to give an extra special shout out to my Patreon family for supporting this podcast on a deeper level. Become a member by visiting patreon.com slash callmeadamnyc. Now, on today's episode of Burying It All with Call Me Adam, I am chatting with actor Mark McKinnon. You know Mark from BET Hers, The Waiting Room, Season 2, as well as his recurring roles on Blue Bloods and FBI. When we come back, we'll be talking with Mark about legacy, lessons learned, and so much more. So stay tuned. Hi, Mark. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I am good. I am well. I'm blessed. So good. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, as I was telling you before we got onto air, I just watched uh, BET Hers, The Waiting Room, and it is one of the best things I have seen on TV. I, I, I don't cry at many, many shows, but every episode had me in tears. It was so, so good. And your performance, I mean, everybody should be so lucky to have a boyfriend like D- uh, Derek. Wow. No, thank you. That that means a lot the, the, that you took the time to watch it and support, but also just being able to give me that feedback on the performance. It means everything. You know, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So let's um, let's start with with talking about legacy and um, X amount of years from now, when somebody mentions Mark McKinnon, what do you want them to say about you? Remember about you? Uh, two things. One, that he never changed. Mark McKinnon was always the same. Like people say that to this day, like friends from high school who I catch up with, even from college. When they see me again, we catch up again. They're like, you're still the same guy you've always been. So that says a lot that I'm comfortable in my own skin, you know, so that. um, And another thing is that I'm the nicest person you'll ever meet. Like every time people compliment me or talk talk about me, they're always mentioning like, He's just so nice, like really, really nice, you know? So I'm I'm grateful for that. And I would want people to always remember me for those two things. I think that's great. How do you think you became so comfortable with who you are, especially so early on, like in high school? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, For me, I think it was more of, I always had mentors in my head that always drilled the importance of knowing who you are and owning who you are. So no matter what I was doing in my life, whether it was my sports background, when I got into acting, I was always confident that I was good at what I did. And I think that was something that always led to me always just knowing who I was. You know, so once you know who you are, you don't fall off the wayside when you hear negative things, when you hear positive things. It's like you just keep it consistent the entire time. Yes, that's great. And and you're very lucky that so early on you you got that lesson taught to you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, speaking speaking of sports, you you did start uh, you did start out um, in high school. You played a lot of sports, and you were on track um, to go into sports professionally until you auditioned for the school play. Yes. and then you the acting bug bit you, and 
you went in that direction. Um, but how do you how do you want sort of that transition from sports to theater to play in your um, in your role? Well, for, for one, uh, one of the things I always use in every time I'm preparing for a role is the discipline that I got from my sports background. You know, sports are a lot of discipline, whether it's your mindset, whether it is how often you're training and prepping in the craft. I applied it to my own career to make sure I'm always consistent with that. Um, but another thing that I always wanted to do was to have a dream role of playing an athlete. Like if I could have a dream role, I would love to be in a movie or a TV show like a Friday Night Lights. Or like something like that where I can literally be an athlete and an actor at the same time. Like I will retire acting after that. <laughs> I am done. I don't want to do anything else. I am fulfilled. Um, but yeah, but I, I really would love to tie both of those together. That would be incredible. And I could see that happening definitely at some point. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. So as I mentioned at the beginning of the interview, you were just in BET Hers, The Waiting Room, um, which is a series um directed by women, starring women, uh, written by women, mm -hmm. and um, specifically black women. Mm -hmm. And it is one of the best shows I have ever seen. Um, I, and, and if I said that again, it's definitely worth repeating because I was just watching every episode. I was, I was very, very emotional and I cried in almost every episode. Wow. So um, now I know for, for you, you dedicated that role to your grandmother who uh, battled breast cancer and also your father who passed away from uh, prostate cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how do you hope your your performance, your role being part of that series um, plays into your legacy of work? One of the things I want people to always know about me that I'm not just about entertainment. Mm -hmm. I want my work to be about the impact that I have on my community. So when this role came about and I realized the message they were trying to send to the black community on the importance of being checked, you know, especially for cancer, for men to prostate cancer, women to breast cancer, you got to get checked early. So when I saw that message was coming out, I was like, wow, this is an opportunity not only to entertain through the acting, but to teach, to to educate. You know, so it was like a perfect mix of having that. And like I, I would I would do it again every time these type of roles come. I wouldn't think twice when I know there's a good message that I can deliver to my community. And the way that you delivered the message, you would be great in definitely in another uh, storyline dealing with this because I'll take it. <laughs> I mean, your character, your character, Derek was. I mean, like I said earlier, is like the best boyfriend that anybody could ask for because he was so supportive from the moment that you know she told him that that she had breast cancer. Unlike in some of the other episodes in the series, mm -hmm. um, the men were not supportive of the women after they told them that uh, they had breast cancer. And I was able to pull a lot from my own life because, you know, I'm married and my wife, she had a scare, health scare. Um, her, she had Bell's palsy. Oh. Um, and one day she woke up and the whole left side of her face was paralyzed. And so it was scary for us both, but already right then and there, I realized how much I had to be that support. So when I got the script for this role and I saw how Derek was supporting Raven in that movie, I was able to think back to when me and my wife had to go through that same journey. So I literally was being myself verbatim when you saw in that role, just loving her, making her feel beautiful the entire time, like encouraging her. But yet you also saw the struggle of like, this is hard. You know, this ain't yeah. this is hard. Um, and so, yeah, it was really good to be able to play myself in a sense um, on a higher scale. That's great. And I like also how you mentioned that um, 
the the show is um also like um it, it it lets it lets women know and everybody know that if you do notice something wrong to get checked early because like I mean particularly in your storyline there's that great moment where you're you're telling Raven that um the lumps are getting big you know feel mm-hmm. like it's bigger and and mm-hmm. Derek's like I thought you were gonna get that checked months ago and and if she did go months ago maybe the diagnosis wouldn't have been bad, yeah as severe as serious as it was mm-hmm. yeah i i agree you know and it even encouraged me myself to get checked early mm. you know, my wife my mom my sister everyone like like let's let's get checked don't wait till you feel something or feel like you know you you at your wits in like be preventative you know and so yeah i feel like if raven's character was would have gotten checked earlier she would have had a different outcome yes yes well i can't encourage everybody listening enough to watch this series um i i watched it on the app on the, the bet app um, if you just download the app to your phone and then search the waiting room, it's two seasons. The first season, each episode's like 13 minutes and the second season, the two episodes are 20 minutes each. And it's, it literally is like the best television you're going to watch. So go download it. Yeah, download it. Check it out. <laughs> and you'll get to see Mark's stellar performance. So that's the added bonus. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now, now switching a little bit in in your um, acting career, you are also you also have recurring roles on Blue Bloods and FBI. In those roles, you play um, you play members of the police force. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how do you want um, you know what is it about that those roles, and especially with everything um, going on with um, police reform? Um, how do you, you know, how do you hope your acting in those roles plays into this storyline that is very real in our everyday life? Well, well one is uh, representation, you know, to be a black man, to be on a show like a Blue Bloods or FBI, you know, you know, we're always battling for those opportunities. So the fact that people were able to, able to see me in those roles meant a lot to not only my family, but my friends, my circle, my community. Um, but also when you're playing a, a, a role that fits your brand and your type, and that's something I'm always encouraging people all the time. When you know who you are, it goes back to that, but also understand how you look. You have to take how you look because your type is really based on how you look. You know, if you saw somebody walking down the street and they had tattoos all on their face and they walk up to you, you're not going to be like, oh, he's a banker. You're going to automatically assume that this person is in maybe in the street life or something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So one of the ways I was able to get into those roles or even be considered for is like I already looked like I was a cop or in the military, mm-hmm. you know, and I used that platform to build my career early in New York. But then those open doors for other things, you know, so that's one thing I want people to if there's any artists listening, you know, always trust who you are and where you come from and how people see you trust it and build off of that. And then the doors will become wide open. That is such great advice. And that is also going to be my soundbite when I promote this interview. <laughs> use it, use it, use it. I love it. I love it. Um, now, you also have a- another film coming out, um, which is going to be airing on BET in 2021 called The Available Wife. Yes. Um, so can it's you tell us a little bit? It's, it's actually out now on the UMC Network. Oh. It now, starting today, just ha- oh, released today. Oh, terrific. Yeah. Well, then you can watch it now and and you can watch it again in, in 2021 on BET. Yeah, yeah. Double double the pleasure, double the mark. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what uh so what was it about that 
movie that made you also want to have this as part of your body of work? Uh, for one, being able to work with Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill was one of those directors who I love the films he did before I you know, got to do Available Wife. And he was on my vision board. Like, I would love to work with this guy, learn from him, see what it's like to be on set with him. And that opportunity came. And the way it came about, you know, I run my own acting studio. And when they were looking for a location to host it, the producers contacted me. was like, hey, we're looking for a place to host um, our auditions. And I said, sure, you know, come on in. And at that time, I wasn't even thinking about trying to get myself in a movie. I just was on the business side, like, hey, let's make this relationship, more opportunities for my clients. And, you know, when I got to meet the director, he was like, you should audition. I was like, I mean, I wouldn't mind, but, you know, I'm trying to, he was like, no, you need to take care of you. You need to audition. So I went on and I actually ended up auditioning. And that next day found out that I booked the role. Um, but it was just amazing to be a part of a movie where it was starring KJ Smith and Terrell, two actors who are phenomenal, phenomenal artists to watch them and learn from them. And I became friends with them, you know, uh, uh, past this movie. So it was just really good to establish those relationships. But mm. the great thing was, I think nine of my clients ended up booking roles in that movie. One was a lead, uh, one was a major supportive, and the other ones were supporting in day player roles. But to have so many of people who I work with almost every day to all be on set at the same time was a surreal feeling. It was just an amazing opportunity for myself as an actor, but my studio as well. Yes. Yes. Well, that's actually the other thing I was going to talk about is you do have your own acting studio um, and it's called McKinnon Acting Studio. So um, how do you how do you want this studio and everything that you're teaching there to be part of your acting legacy? And, and what do you hope um, when people think about your studio? What do you hope they're like? What do you hope they say about it? Um, that I wasn't about the money. Uh, Clients who work with me or over the years who have ever studied under me, I'm very giving. And a lot of times it wasn't about the money. If somebody couldn't afford to come to class, I would still tell them to come. That don't mean y'all can do it now. That don't mean just come for you. It's <laughs> like I always was more about the growth of an actor in their career path. And so many of my colleagues in LA, even in New York, they're always calling me like, yo, Mark, how are you getting DC actors all these roles in our own markets, in our cities? And you know, and that's like it's really was about helping those actors know who it always, if you notice from me by now, I'm really big on knowing who you are and your purpose. And when I help people tie into that, that's when their career takes off. You know, mm. I have clients on major network TV shows and major films. And even though they live right here in DC, they're doing that on a major level in LA, New York, and Atlanta. You know, and so that's that's one of the things that I definitely wanted people to know that they're getting out of McKinnon Actors Studio, that it's a big support system. We're a big family. When we was in the studio, we was hugging, high-fiving each other. We just supporting each other, not competition. Like, who's going to get out of here first, you know? Right. Um, but another thing is I was I named the studio McKinnon Acting Studio because I actually didn't have my father in my life for 20 years. Mm. Um, and I, I, he was the only child. So because of that, I didn't know who the McKinnons were. I didn't. We didn't have no legacy. I didn't know what, out, what would be our tradition or anything. So when it was time for me to name the studio, I said, I want to establish who the McKinnons are, what we're going to be, you know? So even when I have my children and their grandchildren, like we now have set the tone based on this opportunity of helping people. Mm. You know? so that's what made me name the studio McKinnon Acting Studio, because now when you hear McKinnon, you're thinking about purpose. You're thinking about your type. You're thinking about those things and it's consistent all the way through. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And what a great way to honor your dad. Yes. Yeah. You know, and like I said, even though he wasn't in my life, I still, when I went to his funeral, mm -hmm. uh, going to his funeral was my first time seeing him in 20 years. 
I wow. there was no hate. You know, there was no why aren't you there? I feel like all the answers I had in life, just being in his presence, came. Mm. I didn't have no more questions. I didn't want anything. I didn't want to want worry. Did you leave me anything? None of that mattered. I felt right then and there at that moment, like I know exactly what I need to do in my life. Wow, mm-hmm. that's incredible. I and I, it does make me think. I wonder if if he was still alive and knowing, and then knowing that you named the studio after him, how that might. Um, maybe change your relationship. It could have. I mean, it could yeah. have. you know, we always wonder, but I'm just honored to be in a position to honor him. You know. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's so great. That's Thank so great. You. Well, um, let's. Uh, that's the whole legacy conversation. Okay. Um, so let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's do some uh, rapid fire questions and learn a little bit more about you that way. Okay. And um, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Mark McKinnon. Priceline presents, go to your happy price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline, you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. For the fourth year in a row, Don is partnering with iHeartRadio for Can't Cancel Pride, a campaign that has raised over $11 million for the LGBTQ plus community. Don continuously strives to celebrate visibility and inclusivity for all, and that means supporting amazing organizations like Centerlink, providing safe spaces where over 52,000 community members go each week to receive critical and life-saving services. Dawn is there for your home or your home away from home. So visit can'tcancelpride.com to learn more. Hey everyone, I'm Mark McKinnon and you're listening to Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. And now we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad. Yeah. So let's do some rapid fire questions because I always love finding out about my guests that way. Um, So let's start with favorite TV show. Power. Favorite musical. Hamilton. Hmm. Favorite play. Fences. Yes. Favorite cereal. Ooh, it's hard to choose. I'm going to go with uh, Fruity Pebbles. Mm, Yes. Love that. Favorite comfort food. Ooh, ice cream. Mm. What flavor? I like cake batter mix from like mm. or butter pecan. Oh yes, mm-hmm. I love cookies and cream. Oh yeah, you can't go wrong. You can't no. go wrong. some milkshake. I found very fat right now, but yes, that that is that is the flavor. Yes. Uh, favorite game show? I would go with uh, Will of Fortune because my grandmother she used to force us to watch it with her all the time. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. I keep telling my boyfriend we have to audition for it. I would love to be on that show. Do it. Yeah, I should do it. It's a yeah. fun show. Especially now. With, it's so easy to audition now. Exactly. Right at home. Right right where you are right now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, favorite board game? Trouble. Mm. 
I love it. I could play yeah. that all day. Like every holiday, every family function, that game is coming out. Trouble. What's the uh, what's the, what's the biggest trouble you ever got in? Ooh, biggest trouble I ever got in. Uh, so <laughs> our team, well, we was able to um, partner with uh, FedEx Field, which is the Washington Redskins Stadium. Uh huh. Um, this is back in high school to help raise money for our school. So one of the things they had us do instead of paying us to work the the stands or whatever, they had us you know work the concessions and they would just give into our our team. So a lot of us, I'll let some friends convince me that, hey, when you go to register, just, you know, there's a way you can slip some of the money, you know, in there. The good thing, the good thing is, the good thing is, even though I got caught, I didn't get locked up or anything because I was able to, like, I literally still had all the money to spend any of it. But my friends who spent the money, they all had a little time. Wow. But, yeah, I feel like for me, that was, like, the most trouble I've been in was stealing from the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, now I, we're going to talk about le- lessons learned a little later, but what, what, what is one lesson that that moment taught you? Don't listen to friends, negative ideas. Like if, if you know, it ain't good. Don't do it. Don't, don't do it. Cause some people, they got life right now in prison because I seen a movie the other day about that because they let their friends talk them into a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely, you you know, if you know right from wrong and you got that one little guilty feeling, don't do it if mm-hmm. you avoid it. That's good advice, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, okay, now back to the rapid fire questions. Uh, go-to karaoke song? Oh, um, I would have to go with uh, um, Bruno Mars, 24 Carats. Oh, yes. And... Yeah. Uh, Go to emoji when texting. The crying laugh, the uh, the crying laughing emoji. Oh yes. Yes, yes. I feel like I use that. It don't matter. It just it just happens to happen every day somehow. Someone's gonna say something that's gonna make you laugh. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. And lastly, boxers or briefs. Ooh, boxers. Yes. Yeah, boxers. That's all the rapid fire questions. Hey, how did I do? Did did I do well? You did great. <laughs> yes. Yes, I loved it. I loved it. So much fun. We are unfortunately out of time for today's episode. Part two of my interview with Mark McKinnon will be coming soon, where we discuss lessons learned. So stay tuned. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story, for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's had him, had him, lived for the business of show. CallMeAdam.com Find more episodes of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam everywhere you stream podcasts. For my print and video interviews, visit my website, callmeadam.com. Follow me on social media at callmeadamnyc on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And finally, if you really want to get involved, support my podcast on a deeper level by becoming a member of my Patreon family. Visit patreon.com slash callmeadamnyc. There, you'll get a variety of backstage perks, including advanced notice of interviews, the ability to submit a question to my guests, and everyone's favorite, swag. 